from APM, American Public Media. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. We talked recently with Kevin Carey, author of The End of College. Carey is an education policy expert at the New America Foundation, and he argues that traditional college and university campuses are no longer relevant to most students. My book really is concerned with two things. One, what happened to American colleges and universities? Specifically, how did they become so amazingly expensive to the point that middle-class families are uh, forced with the possibility of ruinous amounts of debt just to send their children to college? And also, why are they so inattentive to their core mission of teaching undergraduates and preparing them for the world in front of them? Carey's solution to the problem is something he calls the University of Everywhere. He's calling for a college or university experience where students can pick from a wide variety of inexpensive but highly virtual courses that aren't tied to a single institution but to many. Carey says economics, demographics, and online technology will force most colleges and universities to adapt or die. Carey's book and his vision of the future of college is stirring up hot debate in higher ed circles. This week on the podcast, a response to his book by someone who is a professor at the kind of institution that could profoundly change if the university of everywhere becomes real. Sarah Goldrick Rabb is a professor of educational policy studies and sociology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You write that the university of everywhere is a consumer fantasy of the future of higher education. What is so fantastical about a world where technology plays such a great role in education? Isn't that already happening? In many ways, certainly, technology has come to play an important role in instruction in certain settings in today's higher education. But, you know, what I think what's important here is that we can all agree that there are all kinds of problems in today's higher education system in this country and many reasons to be dissatisfied with the status quo. I think the question that's in front of us, especially those of us engaged in educational policy the way that Kevin and I both are, is how do we reach a better future for children like his and mine and those of the people around us that brings them the kind of post-secondary experience that will get them ready for both the workforce and the life of tomorrow. And I believe that that future is going to need to include the kinds of real interaction and engagement that research has shown brings people the critical thinking skills that they need to operate in a complicated world. Technology will play a role in that, but by no means will it play the sort of role described in this book. Kevin Carey's argument, among other things, is that, you know, the hybrid of the university, the research university, and the teaching college which is true at most institutions in North America, that that has created a situation where the teaching really suffers, that the, the, the research really drives what most professors are doing. The teaching is, in his argument, something of an afterthought. What do you think of that? Right. Well, I certainly hear him saying this, and I read that in the book, and I basically, uh, I have some concerns about this because it's essentially a stereotype. It's not grounded in much real data. And in fact, I think what your listeners need to understand is that the vast majority of the country is populated by colleges and universities where research is not, in fact, the primary mission. In fact, the majority of institutions are non-selective colleges and universities where teaching is the focus. 
And these include the nation's community colleges, where it's very clear that undergraduate education is the focus. Most students today do not fit the mold caricatured by Carrie in this book. They do not live on campus, they do not drink heavily, they do not party hard, and they do not go to classes with professors who do not care about them. In sharp contrast, today's college students are working, they're raising children, they're going to school, and they're engaging with faculty who are doing their very best in public institutions that have received fewer and fewer resources over time, and whereby the support for teaching has been diminished. The interest and commitment to teaching, in other words, is not being matched by the sorts of supports needed to ensure that that teaching reaches every student in the most effective manner. And as policy people concerned about, again, finding better solutions, that's the issue we need to grapple with. Kevin Carey argues that his vision of the future of higher ed, the, the university of everywhere, will, among other things, help eliminate the gap between the rich and the poor. And you take issue with that as well. Right, I do, because I think that it's important that whatever the future system looks like for higher education in this country, it addresses the kinds of inequalities that we have today in all forms. We do have social class inequalities. We have racial and gender dynamics that are creating problems. We have to dismantle the structures that are perpetuating those inequalities and not reinventing them through technology. What we're going to do here with the technology and the way that he's proposed it is in fact, I think, make things worse. And the reason I say that is because empirical studies, which are not addressed in his book, indicate that in fact, the technological solutions he proposes serve people from less advantage far less well than they do those who are already advantaged. So if we go down this path, we'll see greater inequality, not less. Well, and one of the things that he says will be crucial to the university of everywhere um, are people taking these massively open online courses or MOOCs, which are generally being produced by some of the more prestigious institutions in the country, Stanford, Harvard, MIT, and others. You critique that idea because people who are already struggling economically and scholastically, as you say, the research shows, don't do as well in these kinds of courses. That's right. And frankly, that's not who they were built for. These courses are built for people who already have degrees. These courses are built for people like my grandparents who want to find additional courses to prolong their learning in their lives. These courses are built for people who are working and just want to add another class to their lives as a form of enrichment. These courses are not meant to replace the college experience for people who right now are struggling to get any college at all. There is no place that is massively open that is going to be the future uh, or space where we're going to educate those who are currently being left out. Those are precisely the people who need intimate learning environments in which we can connect with them, teach them and work with them to move them forward so that they can become productive members of our economy and our democracy. Well, if the university of everywhere isn't a solution to a higher education system which may not be broken, but is certainly not highly effective. What is your vision of the future of college? In many different policy proposals, I, along with many of my colleagues, have outlined ways to increase the efficiency 
and effectiveness of today's system. I believe that that has to start with rethinking the financing of the system. The current model that we have today does very little to ensure that all partners in the financing model do their part. That includes states. It also does very little to ensure that institutions use their resources in ways that maximize the educational effectiveness for their students. We also have a very inadequate financial aid system. We're going to have to start figuring out how we're going to fund the system moving forward. And as we do so, think about what we're funding. In other words, what we have to do in order to get to a better place is do the sorts of thoughtful research and policy analysis required to find an effective model. And it needs to be one, by the way, that is not driven by Washington DC insiders, but instead is created by people from all over this country who are engaged in the educational process. We need families and students and teachers and policymakers together thinking about what this can look like in the future and coming up with it together. It's not gonna be something that exists in the air around us. It's going to be something that takes place between us on a daily basis, just the way that education always has in this country. Well, you uh, work in a state, Wisconsin, where the governor, Scott Walker, is talking about uh, substantial cuts to the budgets of the university system. How optimistic can you be? You know, frankly, I believe that optimism is the best defense against uh, offensive comments like those that he's been making. And, and one of the reasons that I was so concerned about this volume, frankly, is that it contains many of the same stereotypes and caricatures that the governor has perpetuated when he claims that the problems that we have today involve lazy students and lazy faculty. There's really no data to suggest that this is the case. And instead, there's a great deal of data that indicates that the students are working harder than ever, that faculty are producing more research and doing more teaching than they ever have before, and yet we're providing less support. I believe that it's therefore important that whenever we hear narratives like these, that we bring facts and evidence to bear. There are a variety of studies that support what I'm saying about the defunding of education and plenty of research that suggests that we're not providing the support needed to move more students to degree completion. Those are the things that we need to be focused on. Sarah Goldrick Rabb, thank you so much. Thank you. Sarah Goldrick Rabb is a professor of educational policy studies and sociology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Her critique of Kevin Carey's book, The End of College, which she co-wrote with journalist Audrey Waters, was published on Inside Higher Ed. You can find a link to that article at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, you'll find more podcasts about issues in higher ed and K-12 education, and you can browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects. You can also let us know what you think of our coverage, AmericanRadioWorks.org. We're on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and we're tweeting on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, the Spencer Foundation, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.